thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Adulting101. That's BetterHelp.com Adulting101. Here's the key or tip to always remember, no matter what plan you're choosing, whether it be for vision or dental or medical, always stay in network with your plan. You're always going to do yourself the most service by staying in network. So try to find your doctors to be in network. And if there's a doctor that you're just partial to that is out of network, then you'll want to make sure to choose a plan that allows for you to have out of network coverage because some plans completely exclude it at all. And then that visit would be completely on you as if you had no insurance coverage at all. All right, that visit's gonna be expensive. Expensive. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. I'm your host, Caspi Bias. You guys are in for a treat today. As I'm sure a number of us all know, companies in their benefit enrollment seasons are opening around this time of year. This is the period of time where all employees get to enroll or make changes to any company benefits that they may have so that they and their family have what they need for the year ahead, whether it's relative to dental, vision, or medical. This one is for all of you young professionals who are just starting out in the workforce. We want to make sure that you benefit, see what I did there? from going through this process as much as possible. Today on the show, I have with me Tynesha Farmer. Tynesha is an HR professional who has expertise in employee benefits, engagement, and the employee well-being space. Tynesha has spent 20 years in the human resources field. She is PHR certified, she has a well-being certification, and she is also SHRM certified. So she is very well-versed on the topic that we're going to be talking about today. If you haven't already, check out the new Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. There, you can review a few captivating moments from each episode in animated form. Check out the show notes for a link to the series. Tynesha, thank you so much for joining Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. So hi, Tynesha. Hi. Hi, Caspi. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, the podcast. I'm excited for the audience to listen to the tips and advice that you have. 
um, especially when it comes to employee benefits. So we have a list, like a, a list of questions that we're going to try to get to today as far as the first question. What types of main things would a young professional find in an employee benefits package? Well, typically what you're going to find um, in a standard employer's benefit package are going to be things like medical, dental, and vision, things that we in the uh, benefits world would call health and welfare benefits. So medical, dental, vision, typically some sort of EAP or employee assistance program. You have some sort of retirement package, typically a 401k. Pensions have kind of gone long by the wayside, although some companies are still holding on to those. After that, everything else is sort of gimmicky, gamey, um, retention-wise, additional things. And there are quite a few things that could be there. Employee perk programs student loan repayment programs. Definitely after the pandemic, we've seen a focus on mental health awareness and enhancement programs. So your headspace, talk space, um, those sort of enhancement options to really support employees, as well as wellness programs, well-being programs, financial wellness programs. So there are a number of things that employers will add to. Typically, they will try to do that by surveying their employees, kind of take keeping up with what's happening out in the marketplace with competitors, but also what their employees are asking for or what they determine there might be a need for. But definitely those main things um, are pretty standard. Excellent. You definitely broke it down easier, uh, explained it a lot simpler than when I first came in and was given like a packet and everything. And like, hey, read this. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I know previously there's been a couple of people who actually sat down and talked with me more about the process in general, but it's it's nice to hear more of a breakdown or a simple breakdown as far as what exactly is within the package. I know that one other thing that pops up when it comes to reviewing employee benefits is something called deductibles. Like you see those basically all over the place when it comes to uh, the package. And I know for myself, I had no idea what the heck they were talking about <laughs> once I saw that word. I was looking up online and everything, and I just could not understand it. If you don't understand something, chances are someone else in the room does not understand it either. So let's go a little bit more into that. What exactly is a deductible? Would you be able to explain it for our audience? It's the amount that you pay for your health care services before your insurance or your employer will kick in and start paying anything. So how I typically like to illustrate this, and I don't know how great an illustration this is, but it works for most people. Think about joining some sort of exclusive club, mm -hmm. and we're going to call that club your employer. We'll just throw out a name. Let's say your employer is XYZ Widget Maker, and so you want to join XYZ Widget Maker, and in order to get access, you have to pay a membership fee. So your membership fee, we're going to call those premiums that come out of your paycheck. That's the amount that you deduct out of your, it's deducted out of your paycheck to cover your entrance, your membership into XYZ Widget Makers Health Program. Right. So taken out of your paycheck. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's the premium. And then your deductible is that amount that you pay in order to get access to those premium services that XYZ Widget Maker provides. The deductible is that amount that you pay in order to get access to those premium services 
that are going to kick in and start covering some portion of your health healthcare, whether that be your visits, prescriptions, etc. It's the amount you pay until you get to that point where the the employer is going to pay something. So I hope that explains the deductible pretty well. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. So I'll just bring up another example too. Like say that you're going to the doctor and the deductible is present saying like, oh, you have to pay. I'm just making this up, you guys. You have to pay 50 bucks in order to have us help you with the rest of your bill. Would it be something similar to that? So the $50 that you would pay is typically a copay or a coinsurance. All of those copays, those coinsurance will be added to or compiled to make up your deductible. So any copays, coinsurance, prescription costs, typically as your plan is written, those are the amounts that you're going to pay, those individual amounts that you pay for going to the doctor to see a specialist, your prescriptions. Those sorts of things will add up or be compiled until you meet this golden number of your deductible. Typically, it's $1,500, and it can definitely be higher than that on some plans. But you're looking at typically $1,500, and so you're going to pay these copays, coinsurance, prescription costs. All of those are on the employee until you've met the deductible. Got it. Yes, I knew I was shooting a little bit too low when I said 50. I was like, I should have said at least a thousand. These deductibles are not that low. (laughs) And then speaking of which, why is it that deductibles are so high? Well, it has a lot to do with what are called high deductible health plans. And it's, I won't say fairly new, probably a good 10 years or so old. But the thought being, when I go to the doctor, I'm going to shell out $25 and that's all I pay. What it led to was that people really weren't responsible about their health care. They would go to the doctor for any and everything. They didn't try to do any sort of self-care or any preventative care. They'd wait till something was horribly wrong and then they'd run to the doctor and shell out $25. High deductible health plans cut into that. What it does, it makes the employee more responsible about their health care in that they have some skin in the game. If you know that you're going to be paying some portion of that bill until you meet the deductible, it's fairly hefty. And then this deductible is fairly high, hence the high deductible health plan. People are less likely to run to the doctor for any and everything. They're going to be a lot more cautious about the preventative stuff that they can do. Right. And then when there's truly something that they need to see the doctor for, they're willing to go, but they know that there's going to be some cost to them to, for doing so. High deductible health plans are really geared to just make people more aware about how they're using healthcare and their healthcare services and their plans, and to be more informed about what they choose in terms of physicians and doctors and healthcare centers. They're not just going to go anywhere. They're going to, if they're paying something for it, They're going to try to find a good doctor where there are good outcomes. They're not going to just go anywhere. So there are a lot of more psychological reasons for setting up these sorts of plans, but they also help them to save the employer in terms of what they're kicking in and how much they're paying if employees are a lot more cautious and careful about how they use their health care. That definitely makes sense. I never actually thought about that before, but that is true. 
I had thought about wanting to go to the doctor recently for something. I can't remember what it. No, yes, I can. I'm not sharing that information though on here, but (laughs) that's personal. No HIPAA violations. But I did also know that, hey, if you do go to the doctor, you're going to have to pay a little bit. So from there, I basically, how you said, I engaged in self-assessment, self-care, just to figure out what exactly the issue was. And eventually, it, what I was going through, it, it ended up resolving itself. So that was good. But it just goes to show that how effective a deductible can, can be. So just a follow-up question with that. How can a young professional know if they're supposed to choose a high or low deductible? As high deductible plans have become more popular, you will find that most employers only offer high deductible health plans, so there isn't much of an option for you. What you'll want to do is really look at the plan and your plan options and determine what's right for you. And so how do you figure out what's right for you? What you'll want to do is really sit down and calculate the cost. Typically, if an employer is offering a high deductible health plan, it means that while your premiums might be a little lower, um, you're going to have this larger deductible to, to meet, typically $1,500 or higher dollars over the course of the year. And you're going to have to pay your own medical expenses until you reach this deductible amount. So you have this definitive amount that's coming out of your paycheck, which you can sit down and really calculate if I have 24 paychecks or 26 paychecks every year that I work, and I know that I'm going to be paying $50 out of my paycheck for my healthcare coverage, you can calculate what that's going to cost you over the course of the year, just in premiums. And that amount never changes. You're going to pay that whether you use the plan or not, whether you go to the doctor or not. So you have a definitive amount that you know that your health care is going to cost you just to have access to medical care. Then you can look at the deductible and try to understand, if I go to the doctor, how much do I go? How often am I going to go? Do I have prescriptions that I need to fill? Do I have any sort of special things coming up? A surgery? I need new glasses, contacts. I have a regular prescription that I take. I'm thinking about doing Invisalign or braces. Those sorts of things you'll have to look at to see how much of that am I going to have to pay out of pocket towards this deductible before my healthcare is going to kick in. If you know you're a highly accident prone person, or maybe you're a person who, for lack of a better term, is sickly or isn't as healthy on a normal basis, you catch everything that comes by. Maybe you want to throw in some additional visits for those accidents or incidentals that might happen. So I always try to throw in at least three a year. Just, I get a really bad stomach bug. I have an allergic reaction to something. I get a really bad cold or flu. I break my foot, I break my arm. Think about those sorts of things and throw in one to three of those. If you know you're a little more accident prone or someone that's going to be covered under you on your plan, a dependent or a spouse, a partner, think about them too. Those things all play into you really sitting down and understanding what it's going to cost you for medical care. In terms of looking at the PPO plan, there's this definitive amount that you'd pay in order to see a doctor. Like every time I go to the doctor, it's only $25. And then if I see a specialist, it's $30, which is pretty typical of a PPO plan. What does PPO stand for for our audience? It's a preferred provider organization is what PPO stands for. And it just means that certain providers are in this plan 
But that's typical of most plans that there's going to be some kind of carved out network of doctors that you can see and then some that have not contracted with the insurance company. So as a result, you'd have to pay extra. Right. An out-of-pocket fee. And so that's it typically is a little more. Your deductible may be different. Your co-pays and co-insurance may be different if you're out of network or in network. Here's the key or tip to always remember, no matter what plan you're choosing, whether it be for vision or dental or medical, always stay in network with your plan. You're always going to do yourself the most service by staying in network. So try to find your doctors to be in network. And if there's a doctor that you're just partial to that is out of network, then you'll want to make sure to choose a plan that allows for you to have out of network coverage because some plans completely exclude it at all. And then that visit would be completely on you as if you had no insurance coverage at all. All right. That visit's going to be expensive. Expensive. So always try to find in network doctors. And if you have a doctor that you're partial to, that is out of network and your insurance has changed that you won't have out of network coverage anymore, ask the doctor to make you a referral and just let them know. Jumping into a little bit of a different topic would be something called the HSA. Would you be able to explain to our audience what exactly is the HSA and why do young professionals need this? So an HSA is a tax advantaged account provided for individuals who choose a high deductible health plan. It allows you to save for qualified medical expenses and sometimes dental and vision expenses as well to also include prescription drugs. So it allows you to put aside these dollars pre-tax into this account. I like to think of it as a little piggy bank that you're putting money aside, typically being deducted from your paycheck, goes into this account. And then when you have an expense for which your medical, your dental, your vision, any prescriptions are eligible, typically the money's put on a little debit card. A debit card is used to access the monies in this account. And then you're able to go and pay for these expenses without having to fumble through your budget each time something comes up to try to figure out how am I going to cover this prescription or how am I going to cover this medical visit that I wasn't anticipating having. It's wonderful in terms of really putting aside money because most people don't have expenses to cover a $400 emergency. Right. So like, oh, crap, I'm in the ER. I have no idea how to pay for this. I did not save for this. this. Oh, wait, I did save for an emergency in general because I have this account and I could just pull money out of that. Exactly. Just to confirm, so you, I know that you had mentioned that it can be used for vision and dental I believe you had mentioned that it's also used for medical as well. Is that correct? Are there any instances where it wouldn't qualify for something that could be within vision or dental or medical? The IRS regulates HSAs as it's a tax-advantaged account. So there might be some expenditures that cannot be covered. The typical things that people would use them for, such as co-pays, co-insurance, deductibles, prescriptions, those sorts of things readily covered, not an issue. So what I'd like to say is take a look at, they actually have a list on the IRS website that would tell you things that cannot be covered. Oh, I did not know this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So there is a list. It's similar to the FSA. So we talked about HSAs, but FSAs are also savings accounts, but FSAs are those use it or lose it accounts. 
So those are the ones that people are very sort of squeamish about that the money again is pre-tax comes out of your account, out of your paycheck, goes into this account. But if you don't use all of the funds that you've put aside in the account, if you don't use them all by the end of the year, the money disappears. Right. And so that's the difference between the FSA and HSA, but they are both pre-tax advantaged accounts that allow you to put aside money for medical, dental, and vision expenses. This has been very helpful. Very helpful. Very like after this, I'm going to be checking out that IRS site because I did not know that we could get <laughs> menstrual cycle products. Like these are the different types of things they do not tell you. And so different benefits are just sitting there. So yeah, I definitely feel like this is helping our audience. Thank you so much for bringing up FSA. I almost forgot to mention that specifically. Like that really is important. And you really do have to pay attention to that. I speak from personal experience of like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have this amount of money that I completely forgot I put in this account. And I didn't really understand this account. And I got into what, December 31st to spend this money. And it's December now. Oh my goodness. I have to, <laughs> what can I spend it on before the end of the year? And honestly, I feel like a whole bunch of other people do that too, because it seems like dentist appointment, doctor's appointments, everything is just booked come the holidays. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> I always try to designate a day. Typically, it tends to be like the beginning of the year and the end of the year are really busy for doctor's appointments. Yep. <laughs> so try to pick something in the middle of the year. The summer is a great day. I know it's summer and nobody wants to take a day during health appointments, but Take one day and go schedule all of your doctor's appointments. So, like, that's all you're going to do all day. You're going to go to the dentist. You're going to go to get your physical. You're going to go get your OBGYN exam. You're going to go all of those things all day. So that when you have, like, these well-being programs and things that are offered by your employer and they're like, what day did you go to get those things done? You only have to remember one date. Hello, everyone. Did you enjoy today's conversation? Well, stay tuned for part two. Coming next week, Tynesha is going to make sure that you are all well-informed when registering for open enrollment at your company. Talk to you all next week. I'd like to hear from you all as we continue with season three. What do you want to chat about? Who do you want me to bring onto the show? Feel free to reach out at caspielbias at gmail.com. Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias is a production of C Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.